The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Greetings, pet lovers. Dr. Fleck and I look forward to appearing each week and providing you with the latest and greatest of pet news and more. Dr. Flack, I finally understand how you feel. You used to tell me how every time you went to a party or an outing, when folks found out that you were a veterinarian, they would start talking about their pets, showing their um, pictures of their animals, and talking to you about their pet problems and soliciting advice. Well, you're not going to believe this. I have the same problem now with the dry cleaner. It's like... She's waiting for me every time I go there with pictures and tales about how smart her dog is. She rescued a dog from a local rescue group, and she's trained the dog up. So she taught the dog how to ring bells to go outside and so on and so I mean, I keep hearing these tales about how brilliant this dog is. Well, the last big tale she told me was that she went to a Halloween pet party and that the dog peed on the homeowner's rug. She was so embarrassed and so horrified, and I get it, because it happened to me with one of my dogs, my dog hit her, but here's the difference. I paid my friend's mom to have the corner of her couch and her rug cleaned. Need I say more? You know where I'm going with that. Well, now the dog is wearing doggy diapers to avoid peeing when visiting folks. The dog has a dress on and these ruffled bloomers. Of course, I had to see the picture. Here's the thing. I've got to go to the dry cleaner today, and I can only imagine what story she's going to have for me about this terrier mix today. All in all, I do know... Dr. Fleck, that she loves her dog, but sometimes I just need to get on my way. Well, patience is virtue with dogs and their owners. I know, I know. But I am convinced that there are other brilliant teen dogs in the world. But now let's get on with the show. Dr. Fleck, what's happening on the Pet Buzz today? Well, today we are talking about former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger appearing with a donkey on a virtual meeting of election administrators, choosing a pet sweater for colder weather days, pet cancer, Olivia Wilde's nanny who can't stop talking, and... Well, earlier in the week, we celebrated November 1st as National Cook for Your Pets Day. This national holiday encourages cooking something for your pet, your pet companion in your life. You love your pet and you want to provide what's best for them. So why not try to make them a healthy, home-cooked meal? So joining us today is veterinarian Dr. Jennifer Larson. Dr. Larson is a professor of clinical nutrition from the Department of Veterinary Medicine Molecular Bioscience at UC Davis, a great veterinary college. Dr. Larson's research interests are mainly focused on the clinical nutrition of dogs and cats, nutrition bioavailability, and amino acid nutrition. Dr. Larson, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time. So Dr. Larson, is home cooking for your pooch or kitty a better alternative to commercial diets. 
I think the answer to that depends on the family and the pet. For most healthy pets, it's one of many, many options for providing an appropriate diet. But we certainly have patients in our hospital where home cooking is the best thing because they have a combination of really complex diseases. And that was my and question. What are some of the reasons pet owners might want to prepare home-cooked diets for their pets? Yeah, I think there are three main reasons. And one of those does relate to medical needs because sometimes we do have a combination of diseases for which there isn't an appropriate commercial option. And unless you're willing to make sacrifices in one or more of those targeted strategies, then home cooking is the best option. Some of the other reasons involve just simply the pet prefers the home cooked diet. There's a palatability preference. And sometimes that's a behavioral um, issue. You know, they've held out for something better and the owner offers them something better. So the behavior is really the pet parent. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Okay. There, there are other cases where um, maybe the underlying disease is associated with a feeling of nausea or they don't feel well. And so certain diets might make, might make them not feel well or just happen at the same time. And the, the animal links it to that diet and won't eat it again. And then finally, the last reason is there are a lot of pet owners that have mistrust of commercial pet food products. And that really stems from a lot of the um, really aggressive marketing and even fear mongering and misinformation about the safety and nutritional value of commercial diets. I also think coupled with the amount of recalls that we've had in the last 15 years, I think also is a contributing factor to that. People are frightened, in other words. Yeah. I mean, like she said, people are frightened, mm -hmm. but I think the recalls have a lot to do with it. And I mean, balance with the marketing and then the recalls and then what you hear, you're always, you know, kind of surprised. So they're frightened to use yeah. the commercial pet food. Yeah. A lot of them. Well, um, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Jennifer Larson. She's a professor of clinical nutrition at UC Davis, and we're so excited to have her. You had a question, Dr. Fleck. So how can a pet owner get started when preparing home-cooked meals? Maybe should he or she use Google for recipes or rely on a canine or feline published cookbook? Have you got one? Yeah, that's a great question. There's lots of resources out there, um, both on the internet and in books for pet owners that provide recipes for home-cooked diets. But I actually advocate quite strongly against using those sort of general or generic resources because one of the main benefits of a home-cooked diet is your ability to customize it. So you can put those nutritional profiles exactly where you want them. You can meet the, meet the exact calorie needs of that specific pet, use the exact ingredients that the owner and the pet um, have access to and prefer, et cetera. And so it's really best to work with a board certified veterinary nutritionist to get a customized recipe. So you're really leveraging that benefit as much as possible and making sure that the diet is balanced for that pet. So what are some of the biggest problems that pet owners have when trying to prepare home-cooked meals for pets? Well, home cooking is more expensive than commercial options in almost every instance. Um, they also are very time and effort intensive. So if you don't have a lot of extra storage containers and freezer space and access to a store where you can buy things in bulk and have the time to prepare a the food in that kind of level of intensity, then it's probably not the choice for you. 
some of the other problems is that some recipes are just too vague to follow very precisely, meaning that they don't provide exactly what kind of cooking method is meant to be applied. And are the drippings or the skin of poultry or ground meat meant to be included or discarded? Or maybe the supplement instructions are too vague and it'll just tell the owner to pick an appropriate multivitamin. So that's not an appropriate way to balance a diet. And dumping that onus essentially on the owner is not appropriate. So how do we go about understanding dietary change in a dog's diet? That's a great question. Dogs and cats require about 40 essential nutrients, and the diet has to be providing those in appropriate amounts and proportions in order to meet their needs. And those nutrients have to be coming from sources in the diet that provide them in a bioavailable form so that they're able to be digested and absorbed. So having an expert who understands how ingredient databases work and how the mixtures of combinations work is is really important. And some owners are interested in knowing some of those details, but really the art and science of, you know, really formulation of complex diets to meet the needs of individual pets is really a specialty level adventure. Wow. I mean, I would think so. I mean, you know, think about the difference between cat and dog needs. Mm. You can't cook up one meal and serve it to both of them and expect them to get all the nutrients and essential minerals and amino acids and what they need. She also said another key too, when she said the bioavailability. I know you were going to, I know that's one oh, of your boy. favorite words. You love that. I, I love that big, but you know, you just can't feed anything, right, doctor? Yeah, that's true. Some foods, for example, that are fine for people are not good for pets, either because they contain some toxin, like grapes and raisins for dogs, um, can cause kidney injury. Um, chocolate and onions and things like that are, are, are more well known. But also we have to consider that we need to provide certain nutrients and those have to be coming from ingredients that are also bringing other nutrients that have to be balanced in the diet as well. So it can be like putting together a puzzle. Sure. Well, Dr. Larson, we need to take a commercial break. Dr. Fleck and I have more questions, so we hope you can stick around for another segment. Can you? I'd love to. Well, up next, Celebrity Pet Buzz and Flex Facts. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Training matters for all dogs, especially for puppies. To make training fun and enjoyable, motivate your pooch with Hunter's Healthy Treats. Hunter's Treats contain no corn, wheat, soy, preservatives, added flavors, or food coloring. Dogs love them because they're soft-baked with healthy ingredients like pumpkin, peanut butter, and sweet potato. Train your dog to give him the best life with the best motivation. Hunter's Healthy Treats. Visit Hunter'sHealthyTreats.com. Hunter's Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? 
EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Well, thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Well, we are back with Dr. Jennifer Larson, a professor of clinical nutrition at UC Davis, discussing home cooking for pets. So what other alternatives to pet owner home cooked meals? Well, you can certainly use human foods for treats and to provide medications. For example, some fruits and vegetables make really good treats because they're pretty cost effective. You can buy what's in season. A lot of pets really like things like apples and carrots and so forth. And so those are more cost effective than commercial treat options. For the bulk of the diet, you really want that to be coming from a a balanced diet. So um, kibble or canned food or pouches or some of these other styles of diets are quite popular now. And for most healthy pets, there's a wide range of choices to meet the needs of a wide range of pet families. Not everybody has the same financial resources or even the you know, availability of certain diets in the stores. And so having this range of options is really important. Yeah. Should I perhaps um, have a service or a veterinary nutrition service prepare these meals for my for my pet so that my pet gets a complete and balanced diet? That's one option. It's quite expensive to do that. um, And it's not necessarily better. So um, the recipes that we do here in our service in the veterinary medical teaching hospital are meant to be prepared in the home setting by the owner. And so we make sure that we work really closely with the owner to really identify like what they have available in their local stores, because that's really variable um, from region to region. And we do a lot of recipes for people that live in other countries and other areas of the world where they might not have the same types of ingredients. And so again, that goes back to that, the value of customization to meet the needs of that family and that pet. It's like a higher end blue ribbon for pets with a little locale twist. Well, I mean, you know, I'm a cultural, like, you know, trendologist to your veterinary expertise, and it's all about the box of food. So I'm not surprised people want to spend money on specialized diets for their pets with fresh food, mm-hmm. no matter what it costs. I'm just thinking of my practice. I mean, people don't tell me the truth all the time. Of course but not. If, but if I if I really quiz them... Most everybody's doing some some sort of their own food for their pet. Yeah, like barbecue chicken and ice cream for fat yeah, pets. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you end up having to, to try to run interference for them so that they don't destroy their pet's GI tract. And um, uh, so I, I really do allow them to go ahead and make their own food and encourage that sometimes because they tell me their, their pet won't eat anything. Right, doctor? You get that all the time. They just won't eat any of the prepared dog foods. So I encourage them to make it. But I, as a practitioner, always do one backup, and that is, well, make sure you feed at least some pet food, just something, just a little bit, just in case you're not giving all the essentials. Do you think that's a good idea, Doc? 
Yeah, we actually have um, sort of a proportion rule for that. And the rule is that at least 90% of the daily calories should be coming from a complete and balanced diet. And that number is somewhat arbitrary, but it is based on the fact that complete and balanced pet foods are designed to meet the needs of most animals when they're eating close to their predicted calorie requirements. And so that means that they can have up to 10% of daily calories from treats or human foods, or um, sometimes people will use peanut butter and cream cheese and those kinds of things to give medications. And if you use fruits and vegetables for those purposes, you can give a much bigger volume than if you're using something that has a lot more calories, like peanut butter, for example. Good. I'm doing the right thing. No, I mean, I'm personally thinking of uh, one of your clients who's a florist who had a Westie. The Westie has since passed on. And this dog, well, they convinced themselves, the owner convinced themselves that the dog would only eat boar's head roast beef from Publix. If they got roast beef from Winn-Dixie, he would turn up his nose. Hmm. So it's, it's interesting, you know. I'm sure Doc has heard all the stories. I'm sure she has. Too. I'm sure she has. So what's the thrust of the message that you want our listeners to get from your presentation today? Well, I think it's really important to sort of counter the um, the very powerful emotion of, dis- of um, fear and distrust, because I think that makes people feel guilty about feeding perfectly safe grocery store brand pet foods. And those are perfectly adequate. They're, they're, we don't see any problems with those diets and they're fed to literally millions of pets. And I think that there's a little bit of elitism, both in human nutrition and in pet nutrition. And I just want to assure listeners that you don't have to spend a lot of money to feed your pet well. And most of it is marketing. And if a particular diet is not appealing to you, and I hear people say sometimes, oh, that's junk food. <laughs> if a particular brand is, is, is not appealing to you, all that means is it's not marketed to you specifically. That's all it means. Dr. Larson, thanks so much for being with us today. And I'm listeners, I'm sure, are happy listening to what you've offered them as options for their pets' palatable experiences. So <laughs> before you leave, though, can you give us your website so that they and us can learn more? Yeah, our website is on um, our VetMed webpage. So it's nutrition.vetmed.ucdavis.edu. Great. Well, everyone, just to remind you, that was Dr. Jennifer Larson discussing the realities of home-cooked meals for your pet. Time now for Celebrity Pet News. Well, there's one nanny that is causing a lot of problems for Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis, and Harry Styles. Now, you know I love me some Harry Styles. She's spilling the tea. That's the nanny. She's spilling the tea all over the news about this interesting love triangle. And even when it comes to their dog, Gordy. Well, shortly after the actress's former nanny claimed in a Daily Mail piece, that's the London Daily Mail piece, that a wild abandoned her dog in order to spend more time with her boyfriend, Harry Styles, the animal organization that she adopted her dog from refuted those claims and shared its side of the story. The May Day Rescue thanked Olivia Wall for being a responsible pet owner and said she rehomed her dog after she realized that Gordy, her dog, didn't love the travel life and wasn't happy around toddlers. So what happened to Gordy now? Well, in Gordy's best interest, he was rehomed to his Brooklyn dog walker. No word on what the gossiping nanny will talk about next. Up next is Flex Facts. 
Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! You know, Dr. Fleck, I was reading an article entitled How the Trend of Smaller Dogs May Affect Veterinary Practices. Is this something you're seeing? And if so, talk a little about that. I wouldn't say necessarily small dogs in the practices, smaller dogs. I would say the trend of concern is the larger dogs in the practices, your German Shepherds, your Rottweilers, your Labradors, your Golden Retrievers, uh, Dobermans. They're, They're larger dogs that require great deal of attention and restraint by staff when trying to provide medical attention or evaluation. But are we seeing practices who are limiting the size of dogs? And so what we are seeing, which is a real concern because of the lack of staff availability and because of the lack of, quite frankly, the pet parent ability to assist with the evaluation for the pets, uh, that they're limiting the size of the of the pets that they're evaluating or examining in the praxis, maybe up to 40 pounds or under 40 pounds. The new pet parent has to understand that if they're larger, they have to take some responsibility and they may have to assist in the exam room for taking care of this pet in order to do an adequate examination and treatment protocol. So if you're going to consider having a large pet, then as we could, we just started with a new new policy in the practice. They have to provide somebody to come to the practice with the pet to assist us to do the medical approach, or we would have a limited availability for providing medical attention. That's all the flex facts for the week. Great. Up next, the Pet Buzz mailbag. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Let's kick off this segment with the Pet Buzz mailbag. The Pet Buzz mailbag. You've got mail. So Gwen writes from Portland, Tennessee, Charlotte, is a sweater really necessary for my dog? And can you give me some tips for purchasing the appropriate sweater? Well, hey, Gwen, pet sweaters are fashionable accessories for your pooch, but they're also must-needed apparel during the fall and winter months. When buying a dog sweater, there are a few things that pet owners need to consider when buying a sweater that is appropriate, not only for you, but also for your dog. So before buying a dog sweater, it's important to measure your dog. So start with flexible tape and start by measuring your pet's neck girth. Before you get started, remove the pet's collar, measure the circumference of your dog's neck, and where the collar is located or where it hangs. You do not want a sweater that fits too tight but comfortably, so use the two fingers rule. Two fingers should fit under the measuring tape so as not to make the sweater 
totally too tight for the dog. Next, measure the dog's chest girth by measuring behind his or her two front legs. And lastly, have your dog stand in order to measure the distance along his back from the base of the neck to the base of the tail. Recognize that you might not find a sweater with your dog's exact measurements, but you will get as close as possible so that the sweater fits well. So when in doubt, round up, not down in terms of size. You know, pricey cashmere wool sweaters or designer duds are extremely fast fashionable, but they're not necessarily appropriate for a dog who is pawing it around your hood, the city streets, or playing in a dog park. While I'm not discouraging you to spend the big bucks, save the pricey duds for a special occasion or those be seen moments, not daily outings. Well, because dogs are low to the ground and have a unique body odor, they get dirty easily and they get smelly. Thus, so will the sweater. So to maintain these garments, you'll need to have these sweaters clean, these wool and cashmere sweaters cleaned a few times this season at the dry cleaner, and that's more money to spend in a tight economy. Moreover, some short hair dogs like people find wool and cashmere itchy, and for the price of what you pay for a premium fabric sweater, you can buy a few blends or acrylic sweaters that can be easily cleaned at home. You know, another consideration is when purchasing a dog sweater, you wanna have one that your dog can easily squat or lift his leg without peeing on himself or the sweater. And you wanna make sure he has good movement and ample room so that he can do his business. Blends or acrylic sweaters can easily be cleaned in a washing machine on a gentle cycle with mild detergent. Wash them in cold water and line dry. Avoid the dryer as it might shrink the garment. And the best suggestion is to have more than one garment to ensure that the garment is completely dry before the next wear. And also when shopping for a sweater, be considerate. Try on a sweater if your dog is clean and parasite free. Moreover, when buying, whether in store or online, do not buy unless you know the return policy. Not all retailers will allow you to return the item. If buying a gift, it's best to enclose a card with the return information. Seems as if our next guest is on the phone, Dr. Fleck. Will you introduce the segment? Well, you know, November is Pet Cancer Awareness Month, and it's a great time to spread knowledge about pets and cancer, as well as a time to educate ourselves about the things we can do to prevent or treat cancer in our own pets. Well, and joining us today is Dr. Ashish Rajan, who is the care chair for biomedical laser and biophotonic. Dr. Rajan is the director of the Institute for Translational and Emerging Research in Advanced Comparative Therapy at Oklahoma State College of Veterinary Medicine. So Dr. Rajan, welcome to the Pet Buzz. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you too. And uh, I'm really looking forward to conversing more. Well, great. You know, is it true that statistics show that one in four dogs and one in five cats in the U.S. will develop cancer in their lifetimes, making it the number one disease-related cause of death for our canine and feline companions? Yes, that is true. Um, pet dogs and cats are particularly prone to developing cancers, especially the older dogs, and along with cardiovascular and renal diseases. Uh, cancer happens to be the top killer of our pets. So, and that's so high. I mean, if you think about it, you know, I mean, now are there specific dog and cat breeds that are kind of the poster pets for cancer? Yes, yes. Uh, in case of dogs, uh, you see more cancers in breeds like golden retrievers, boxers, 
German shepherds, Rottweilers, long-limbed dogs like Great Danes are also prone to developing cancer. Uh, in cats, I would say Siamese cats, the Persians, uh, they are more prone to developing cancer than the others. Wow, I didn't know that. And I always had Himalayans. I mean, they always had urinary problems. That's what ended their demise. But it's it's frightening, right? Yeah, it's frightening. And as a practitioner, I see it too frequently. So can you give us an idea of some of the top 10 pet cancer-related conditions? So like humans, uh, pets uh, can have cancers of all kinds. Uh, uh, those include uh, cancers of bones that are called as osteosarcoma. We can also see soft tissue tumors uh, that are more of sarcoma kind. Uh, we can see skin cancers such as mast cell tumor. We can see oral cancer that are called as uh, melanoma and uh, squamous cell carcinoma. Dogs also get a ton of uh, cancers of lymph nodes, uh, which we call as lymphoma. Uh, they're also prone to developing tumors uh, in the mammary glands, uh, the breast form of cancer in human, uh, which is called as uh, mammary tumors. Uh, uh, there is uh, injection-related cancer that we see in cats. Uh, fibrosarcoma is pretty common. Uh, cats also get a ton of mammary tumors. So those are the main uh, tumor types that you'd see in pet dogs and cats. And anal cancer too, right? I mean, dogs get anal cancer too. See, you can see a ton of anal cancer, bladder cancer uh, also uh, in pet dogs uh, for sure. So yeah. It's not really a happy conversation, right? It's kind of... Yeah, it's kind of devastating. Yeah. It's what it really is. Hey, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Ashish Rajan, Director of the Institute for Translational and Emerging Research in Advanced Comparative Therapy at Oklahoma State University College of Veterinary Medicine. Now, Dr. Ajahn, can you talk to us about the advancements in diagnostics and treatments when treating a pet with cancer? Because I think so much human medicine is really affecting how we treat pets, right, Dr. Fleck? Yes. Yeah, so canine oncology treatment is no different to humans uh, when it comes to the advancements uh, in the type of treatments we adopt. So traditionally, uh, the pets, depending on the tumor type, would undergo uh, surgery. Uh, they'll undergo radiation as well as chemotherapy. Uh, but more recently, newer techniques have emerged. Those include ultrasound-based, laser-based ablation techniques, uh, use of immunotherapeutics uh, to activate the patient's immune system against cancer. So that is also picking a pace. Alternative therapies are also coming up. I can think of acupuncture as one where a lot of pet owners are trying to try some of those. So uh, there is uh, a definite level of advancement uh, that we're seeing uh, uh, in terms of options that are currently available uh, for pet owners to try uh, to treat some of these conditions. Dr. Ajahn, we're up against it. We need to take a commercial break. Uh, you'll be back with us in our next segment talking about pets and cancer. Stay tuned because also up next is Global Pet News. And tell me something good. 
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I know you love your dog and you want to treat him well, but with so many treats in the pet marketplace, how do you choose? Look for treats made with no additives or preservatives, just natural ingredients like Hunter's Healthy Treats. Choose pumpkin, sweet potato, or peanut butter heart-shaped treats. Not only are they good for your dog, but he will love the taste too. For healthier treats and happier dogs, choose Hunter's Healthy Treats. Visit HuntersHealthyTreats.com. Hunters Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and and country. Well, we are continuing our conversation with Dr. Ashish Rajan of Oklahoma State University about pets and cancer. In our last segment, we were talking about advancements in diagnostic and treatments when treating a pet with cancer. So I would ask you, are a lot of these treatments expensive? Because in a time when we're experiencing inflation as well as petflation, pet owners are really worried about continuing to care for their pet. And that is something as easy as buying pet food or paying for a, a vet bill. Unfortunately, uh, yes, the treatments can get expensive uh, to, uh, to do in pets. Uh, the cost could include the diagnosis. Uh, in, in case a patient needs surgical removal of the mass, that could be a cost. Uh, in many cases, uh, follow-up treatments that includes chemo and radiotherapy that needs to be done. Uh, there could be a lot of diagnostic tests that a patient may need to undergo. Those could include blood works, radiological examinations. So these treatments can get a expensive uh, depending on the tumor type, especially if the tumor is of malignant nature. Then you think about the medication, then you think about the numerous visits to the vet. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be like a $10,000 plus, right, Dr. Fleck? Does that sound? For for those that treat this, the specialists that, that do treat cancers, yeah, $10,000 may be just the beginning. Sure. So following up with that, though, uh, so if you have a breed that is maybe cancer prone, do you think pet insurance is a good option for these people? 
Uh, definitely, that would be a very good option uh, because insurance in many cases can cover most cost that is associated with treating a particular type of tumor. For example, in some cases, as Dr. Kate noted, uh, the radiation treatments itself can run anywhere from ten to twenty thousand dollars. And if you have an insurance uh, that takes care of those costs, then you know there will be no, not much stress on your pocket. So definitely, uh, the pets that are more prone to developing cancer, if uh, if you are able to get an insurance for uh, that uh, dog or cat, that would be a great thing to have. You know, Dr. Fleck, I'm listening to Dr. Arjan talk about this, and it, it reminds me of a conversation not ta- a lot, long time ago that we had with Dr. Ernie Ward, who now works mm-hmm. for Base Paws, mm-hmm. um, and talking about doing DNA as a means to understanding if that could possibly show up in your pet's cancer possibly show up in your pet's DNA. Are, are you feeling that vibe with me? Oh, man. I mean, that's, to me, and, and doctor, you you provide some input on this, but I think that's the future. Let's find out early as we can. Let, I'll let you expound on that. You're the expert. Yeah, so uh, genetic screening definitely uh, is a great idea uh, to learn more about what's going on uh, in the pet. And uh, especially purebreds are more prone to developing cancer uh, than a mixed breed. So having some knowledge at the uh, genetic level uh, definitely help. Uh, And, uh, you know, there are other kinds of preventive measures also uh, that you can take uh, to prevent uh, your pet uh, from becoming prone to developing cancer. Those could include a regular physical exam, um, ensuring that um, you have your pet undergo spay or neuter after after they reach the sexual maturity. That's a controversial way of uh, me describing it, but something that can be considered. Um, Keeping a dog fit, uh, making sure that uh, he or she exercises regularly uh, so that they don't get overweight, um, making, Tweaks to your uh, pet's diet, those could include adding uh, antioxidants, especially if they're getting older. Um, and, you know, uh, the kind of things that makes us prone, for example, smoking, um, uh, being exposed to excessive sunlight, uh, uh, being exposed to toxicants such as herbicides, pesticides, the same are also makes the dog more sensitive to tumors. So preventing those uh, can also be very, uh, making sure that the dogs don't get exposed to them uh, can also be a great idea in terms of the preventive goals. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What great information for our pet owner. They better listen to you. Well, you know, we really want to thank you for joining us today. And we're going to demand that you come back again and talk maybe about some comparative cancers between people and pets. But before you leave, can you give us our website where we and our listeners can learn more? I would say that there are several resources that are available, uh, but one that can be really handy is the one that is available from Veterinary Cancer Society. Uh, They have a pet resource page where you can find all kinds of information related to uh, cancers in pets and how they can be prevented. That was Dr. Ashish Rajan, the Director of Institute for Translational and Emerging Research and Advanced Comparative Therapy at Oklahoma State University College of Veterinary Medicine, discussing cancer in pets. November is Pet Cancer Awareness Month. I want you guys to take some time to learn more about not only pet cancer and how it affects your pet as well as you, but start from the beginning. When you pick a breed, do some research and find out if that breed, whether it's a dog or a cat is a prime candidate for possibly obtaining cancer. cancer. 
And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. So pets are being politicized. In my Fox and Friends appearance last week, one of the producers dressed her dog for the Halloween segment like Tucker Carlson, who was shown with a chihuahua dressed like an elephant. Of course, all in support of the midterm elections with a Republican slant. But now former California governor Arnold Schwarzenegger jumped into a virtual meeting of election administrators from all 100 of the state's counties, that's North Carolina, Monday to give them a jolt of motivation for election day looming next week. During the meeting, he called them the true democracy action heroes and said he wanted to jump in to pump up a little bit, right? He also wasn't the only one to steal the show on the virtual meeting. During the call, approximately four and a half minutes in, his pet donkey made an appearance. Schwarzenegger's pet donkey appeared on the camera looking for a biscuit. Now you have to ask yourself, was Schwarzenegger, a former Republican governor, trying to send us a message, appearing with his donkey, the representative of Democrats, Or am I just reading too much of this? Well, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think. Email us at Team at the Pet Buzz or post or tweet us on the Pet Buzz social media channels because we want to know. Tell me something good. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. Hey, let's end the show with Tell Me Something Good. Well, a puppy named Baby Girl was tied to a fire hydrant by her leash on a residential street in Green Bay, Wisconsin, waiting for her owner to return which is what dog lover Kylie Rose Engelhart first assumed. Engelhart came back a little bit later to check on her, that's baby girl, and realized that she was abandoned with a backpack containing all of the dog's favorite things, including food and sweets and treats, as well as a tragic message that was placed next to her. Soon after, Engelhart brought the sweet pooch to the Wisconsin Humane Society. Well, the Wisconsin Humane Society issued a heartfelt letter on Facebook about this situation soon after baby girl's intake, specifically addressing the dog's prior owner. The shelter emphasized how tough it was for them, that mean the owner, to abandon baby girl when they felt they could no longer take care of her. The letter read, first and foremost, we are so sorry you had to part with your best friend. It's evident just how much you loved her, and we can see you did this while struggling with your own medical complications and just challenges of life. We see your love in the bag you carefully packed with all of your dog's favorite things. We see your love in a way that you secured her leash so she wouldn't get hit by a car. We see your love in the way you placed her in the middle of a neighborhood where she'd be found quickly. We see your love in how happy and healthy baby girl looks. And we see your love in the note you left pleading for someone to help her when you could no longer. Well, baby girl has recently finished up her stray hold and will be available for adoption in the coming days. But in the meantime, the sweet pup, I mean, I just read the story and I just couldn't help crying, is getting plenty of love and cuddles from the shelter staff in preparation for her second chance at a loving home. And we applaud Kylie Rose Engelhart for saving baby girl from the Wisconsin, whether it's a streets, a res- whether it's a residential neighborhood, uh, and the Wisconsin Humane Shelter for their actions. 
But realistically, even though I am touched by the letter and the actions, I'm begging anybody who is in trouble and needs to rehome their dog, don't abandon your pets like this. Baby girl was lucky that a good person found her and the shelter understood her former dog owner's life struggles because so many people have medical issues. So many people have financial issues these days. But not all dogs are lucky like baby girl. Right, Dr. Fleck? Yes, that's a very touching story. So although it's something good, we just want you to take our advice. And if you need help, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to a local, not one local shelter, as many shelters in your area that you can reach out to. Well, anyway, Dr. Fleck, it's a wrap. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. Next week, we're talking about diabetes and how to exercise your pet as the cold weather sets in. Because this is really the time the chunky pets can get fatter, just like you. (laughs) Well, can you thank our guests? I sure can. Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Jennifer Larson and Dr. Ashish Ranjan. Yes, and of course, we must thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And of course, Hunter's Healthy Treats, making all natural, yummy treats for dogs of all sizes. And if you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll try to cover it next week on the show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, though, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.